Hi, and welcome to Figure of Speech, a program from WRBH where every week you can meet local poets and writers from the New Orleans community and listen to them share their work. Take a listen. Hi, my name is Taylor Morrow. I'm a writer from New Orleans. I also co-produce a literary reading series here in New Orleans called Dogfish, which takes place usually the third Thursday of each month in St. Rock. You can find out more about us on Facebook and at our website. I'm going to start off by reading a short poem by Emily Dickinson. My life closed twice before its close. It yet remains to see. If immortality unveil a third event to me. So huge, so hopeless to conceive as these that twice befell. Parting is all we know of heaven and all we need of hell. I'm also going to read a poem by Gertrude Stein. A Patriotic Leading. Verse 1. Indeed, indeed, can you see the stars and regularly the precious treasure. What do we have without measure? We know. Verse 2. We suspect the second man. Verse 3. We are worthy of everything that happens. You mean weddings. Naturally, I mean weddings. Verse 4. And then we are. Hail to the nation. Verse 5. Do you think we believe it? Verse 6. It is that or bust. Verse 7. We cannot bust. Verse 8. Thank you. Verse 9. Thank you so much. Okay, I'm now going to start reading some of my work. This is a short prose piece that I wrote after my mother died a few years ago. I went through the long, arduous process of cleaning out her home, which was also the home that I had grown up in. Colossus. Thanks to childhood fears, you'd always hated the attic. But the first time you went up there after your mother died, you were shocked by how ordinary it was. Your clothes soaked through with summer sweat that pooled on your skin, blurred your vision. You didn't see any ghosts. Instead, kitchen chairs, broken subwoofers, toys for dogs long deceased, teenage softball jerseys, a wooden crib you didn't recognize. Downstairs, a bedroom had become a storage room for everything imaginable. Fish tanks, board games, medical records, cigarettes, a few dead cockroaches. The day she died, you stood there and found yourself reaching for a garbage bag throwing things furiously inside. Your aunt looked at you like you were lost. This room will have to be cleaned, you'd said, grabbing dried-out pens and instruction manuals as though nothing could be more obvious. Today, you pick up whatever is nearest and hand it to your friend. Trash, you say, or keep. At the yard sale, it was surprisingly easy to watch Legos and craft paints exchange hands, 
to pass them on to the next person. Months would pass before you'd regret that. You have to keep this. Your friend places her beer on the windowsill of the room that was once your mother's bedroom. That's your baby blanket. You'll pass that down to your children. She's exasperated. She was definitely going to have children one day. She'd be a great mom. You look at her without saying anything. She is your oldest friend, and she already knows how you feel about motherhood. You shove the blanket in a white plastic bag. You are so tired. There is nowhere to sit but the dirty floor. The air is thick and heavy. Has it seeped downstairs from the attic? I'll keep it for now, you sigh. One of the first things you pull out of the attic is a grocery bag, tucked away near the entrance. A figurine pokes through one of the holes. You recognize the form of the chipped clay immediately, the Colossus of Rhodes. You step down and hand the bag to her. Check this out. Wow, she says, this brings me back. She pulls out the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, another piece of your eighth grade school project on the seven wonders of the ancient world. You had sculpted and hand-painted each structure, and your mom had kept them. The Colossus, the gardens, the Great Pyramids, the Temple of Artemis, the Statue of Zeus at Olympia, the Lighthouse of Alexandria, the Mausoleum of Halicarnassus. The project grew out of your love for Greek mythology. Even then, it was easier to imagine a world controlled by irrational gods. She holds up the bag. As if on cue, a plastic plant you'd carefully glued to the gardens nearly 17 years ago falls off. What do you want to do with these? Toss them, you say, and push yourself back up into the sweltering heat. I'm now going to read a few of my poems. These next few are all in the same series, and you'll notice that there are some recurring characters that are described in the first poem. Cast. Gran is the first fly under the sink. Baby B holds his peanut butter heart in his hand. The squid slips its tentacles around the waists of fine young women. Mac was named after Macbeth. He refuses to read a book. Mama is the hero and the villain. You are the first, but not the last. July. Insects quietly buzz and remind you where you are. Home. You spit into ditches. Grand dips cauliflower chunks into a bowl of mayonnaise. Ice pops melt and drip and slick down your wrists while the box fan hums. Playing hide-and-seek in the dark, the first time the older boy down the street asked if you knew what a BJ was, you crawled up the magnolia tree and carved another flower. His cheeks were two red lumps of clay. You won't shave your legs for another three years. Mama doesn't talk about it, but here, in the thick of the air, our tongues know how to breathe. Scene in this part of our story, Baby B reaches a stony fist out of the darkness of Mama's bedroom. His eggplant eyes settle in their hollows, veins pop out of his wormy wrists. He collects fish tanks, scoops salamanders and algae eaters from the ditches, and drops their slippery bodies into cloudy water. In this part of our story, Mac has taken to chewing on azaleas. He drools the spit-swirled violet messes onto the concrete, 
while you trace the lines on the linoleum and pretend to tell a future. Can your fingerprint really be any different from others? Can acorns be anything other than sidewalk chalk? The squid moves in when it's too hot to be awake, when skin feels like the edge of a chef's knife. Let's go to the country, he gurgles. Mama huffs, her eyelids rise and fall, two sailboats trying to forget the open gulf. Handbag. It's green like the olives in the fridge, fake suede flap, gold-painted clasp. Gran buys it for you from the Walmart, and you pretend to know fashion. You know what a purse needs, chapstick and a plastic hippo wallet. But when Mama goes away that summer, she writes you letters. June 6, 95. Hey, baby girl, I love you and miss you. This place is nice. They have us making art. You could read her handwriting for pages, careful loops in her script, her J's jutting out like an open refrigerator door. The letters take up all the space, no room for lip glosses and jewel cases. You read them till the notebook paper frays at the folds, till there's nothing left, till the words become a prayer for themselves and you and the handbag, which is not a handbag at all but now a green-gold coffer to bury in another pyramid. Okay, now I'm going to read a few other poems, not from that series. Duo. You were a twin once, you said. You spoke of how your mother didn't know, only found out after you were born. We joked that something sinister had happened. Maybe you swallowed the other one, pushed it deep into tissue folds until it got lost. You were swollen with the possibility. You said maybe you should have been the one to dissolve. The first stage. You split open, scoop the inside of you out like watermelon pulp. The seeds are black and made of glass. The flesh is pink and cold and sweet. You use your hands to make something mountainous, slate gray, each bird's beak a jagged rock, each blinking moon hums into the space between breaths. You try to build a village, but everything is the woods, everything is the swamp. You drive down every broken-necked road, the swamp coughs moss. You try to build a village, everything is a small Louisiana town. You try to be a village, drink the gulf, swallow the sand. You pull your sister, who is also you, out of the muck, thick and brown and nothing you asked for. She sucks in a deep breath, exhales an ocean. The salt stings her pink and black throat. Inferno. A cloud of flame, a herd of blue horses rushing out of the oven, blazing a red trail on my chest. I spit. Tiny black dots run the length of my arms, the smell of hair singed the delay between flesh and brain. I think of my grandfather, leg lost at 12, foolish to hop a train and miss. How long did he feel the pain, a ghost tugging at his stump? How long did the gnarled cypress knee left behind surprise him until he knew the train had taken him where it meant to? His own course altered in that moment, a black hole of changed limbs. In the end, Armed with crutches and a plastic leg, 
he set out to take a new track, to drag his daughters, his wife, into the train's dead gray shadow. Everything is flammable. Parable At Grandma's house. Mom, check. Little baby girl, check. Terrible tragedy. Phone call says, have you seen the news? 9,000 people are dead. Suddenly, the air mattress I've been sleeping on is not safe. Everything around me is water and overgrown grass. Thick. The danger of sharks. No alligators. No dirt. Nature always returns the favor. Inside, Mom sleeps the high off and the whole backyard is flooded. Backwater breakneck tulips stretch over the water's edge, sprouted overnight. An old man offers lawn services. Choose from this list, he says. Are you an angel, we say. Sometimes you just have to say yes. In no time, the water drains, and was there ever a tragedy? Clutch baby girl close to your chest, near the incision. Watch the tulips breathe, shine. This is our kind of dirt. If God Were a Woman I close my eyes and remember a prism, a paperweight, probably purchased in some novelty store, clear and plastic, blue felt bottom. But the way the light pierced its center, the way the rainbows shot out a storm of colored shards in my childhood palms, makes me think of watching the news with my grandmother, southern, nearly 90, dresser drawers filled with rosaries no longer used. I've lost my religion, she says. Two grown children gone before her, a grandson of 22. She knows the incantations by heart. Her arthritic fingers used to trace each plastic bead, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. I think it's worth a shot, right? My own mother was not a believer. No reason to think anyone would hand you a bedside prayer that anyone could usher you from one world to the next, creator of heaven and earth. Their lives, a series of cruelties, big and small, as it was, is now, and ever shall be. I wonder, my grandmother says today, eyes cloudy gray, sunken hands shuffling deck for the next round of solitaire. We're watching the news where another woman has clawed at the raw part of herself, opened her crystal chest. I wonder if this would happen if God were a woman. And then one last poem from me. This one's called The Other Place. Underwater, the waves crash and we just keep resurfacing, lungs flatten against ribs. Then, the biggest wave I've ever seen, 80, 100 feet, the glassy wall soars, her dark voice shatters us. Oh, the sound the earth makes. We give in, push our stick limbs through the earth's mossy-eyed core, past the blackened parts of ourselves, to another universe unfamiliar to our own. Faces are the same, noses and teeth in all the right places, but the people here know things we do not. We are alien, molded and made new. The wave finds us here, swallows us whole, but we are used to it now. 
We take shelter in the caves of her mouth, watch as sun creeps beneath our skin. Our bodies shimmer near the seabed. The colors we knew become echoes in her throat, flowers untouched by the moon. Triple hearts beating, coral bones undone. We know we can't live here forever, and yet we know there is no going back. And then just to close, I'm just going to read a very short poem uh, by Edna St. Vincent Millay. Ebb. I know what my heart is like since your love died. It is like a hollow ledge holding a little pool left there by the tide, a little tepid pool drying inward from the edge. That was poet, writer, and dogfish co-producer and founder Taylor Murrow. And that's our show. You've been listening to Figure of Speech, a new community poetry and writing program from WRBH. You can tune in every Saturday at 1 p.m. and on Mondays at 9 p.m. for more great New Orleans writing. Thanks for listening.